Hello, welcome to the first episode of Both Sides of the Barricade. This week's guest is the amazing, talented, lovely, my favorite person ever, Chloe Lilac. <laughs> Stop, you're so nice, girl. She just, oh re- she just released her sophomore EP, Douchebag. You should all be streaming it already, but if you're not, go check it out. Um, and she's been featured in Ones to Watch, MTV, Lady Gun, Nylon, Teen Vogue. She's all over the place, and she's about to be in even more places because we all know that she's blowing up any second. Oh, <laughs> so, mm. I guess we should start the episode by how we met and our relationship. So, if you'd like to tell that story, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I... I know you through, I was opening for Sasha Sloan in 2018. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I was like really small. I think I, I had like maybe like 2K on Instagram and like, like a couple hundred monthly listeners. Um, Like nothing crazy though. Like, I think I only, like, I, I was like really early on in my career and I think it was like before I put out summer like before summer even existed as a song I think summer might have been out because I remember I was there and I was like this song's really good like I think you ended the show with that and I was like this is a classic I want to talk to her after the show oh it had like just huh it had just come out then because it came out in like September so that was the winter anyway I met you um at the meet and greet table like after my set and you and your friend Ian mm-hmm. walked up to me and we're like hey and we're just like so cool and so nice and you guys were like right in the front mm-hmm. and I was so nervous at that show and you guys like like made me feel so much better while I was on stage because you guys were like yes bitch like oh my god yes <laughs> <laughs> I remember that like I was like you guys were like hyping me up and I needed it and it was like so fucking great and then afterwards you guys were like do you guys do you like want to hang out and I was like yes and then the next time you guys were in the city we like got food yes we went to a diner the if Gibson is listening Big Daddy's his favorite diner of like all time (laughs) um but yes we went there and we just hit it off which was crazy because at the time like I was making friends with artists that I was seeing just because I liked talking to them after the show but I had never been in a situation where it was just someone that felt so much like just a peer of mine that I could just (laughs) hang out with like yeah I was just like dude let's chill (laughs) So, yeah, we met in December of 2018 at one of Chloe's shows where she opened for another artist. Um, And our friendship has definitely evolved over the past two years. Hugely. Oh, my God. Yeah, dude. (laughs) Because now uh, I work with Chloe as, like, a social media marketing person, and I help her with, you know, just developing herself as an artist yeah. And it's so fun to work with you and Clay. Like, it's just, it's a dream job for me. Like, I, hope, yeah. <laughs> I just hope that that continues forever because I love working with you and him and Alex, of course, the queen. The queen, my manager. So uh, the first question I have is how would you describe your relationship with your fans? Because obviously I started out as a fan, but you have a very interesting dynamic <laughs> with them. So <laughs> I do. Dude, like. That's such a good question. Um, I think we're like, we're like really, I think my relationship with my fans is super special, especially because it's like, you know, I'm a, I'm a smaller artist. So I like, I don't know, like 
it's a really tight knit small community, but it's so like loving. And my fans like, like reach out to me for advice or just to say hi. And we like talk all the time. Um, and I know like that sounds like, I don't know. I feel like I hear a lot of artists being like, yeah, I talk to my fans all the time, but I feel like they don't. Like I actually do. Like I actually like DM them and like, we, we talk all the time. I'm bad at like keeping up with my number on community, but like Instagram, (laughs) like I will DM back. Um, and it's really special. Like we like joke around all the time and it's like, I don't know. I just think there's like in the music industry, there's this like really stupid like thing of like, oh, like. I'm the artist. So like you're like, there's this weird God complex that comes Mm -hmm. with that. And I think it's ridiculous and stupid and like really funny when people are like, oh, you're a fan. Like, oh. I was thinking about that today because I was like, just being around you so much and seeing how you interact with your fans, even on lives, like they'll say like inside jokes that they'll tell you like in your DMs and like you (laughs) get it. And like, it's just so funny because I see so many artists who like never interact with their fans at all, or they get to a certain point and they don't interact as much. And I'm just like, I just can't see that happening with Chloe. Like, I don't know. I feel like you'll be like at like 100K still like DMing like your group chats and everything. And I think that's amazing. That's how yeah, it should be. No, because my fan base is, like, really cool. Like, it's all really genuinely, like, cool, caring, smart, and, like, funny people. The like Lemon Gang. The Lemon Gang. Lemon Gang is so sick. Like, so amazing. I just love – yeah, I love – I genuinely, genuinely love my fans, like, so much. <laughs> they, they feel it. Like, they know good because like that's the other thing like some fans are they feel that love from artists but I feel like they feel like it's just one-sided like they're putting that love out towards the artist and they're not getting it back but that is not the case with you like they know that you love them and that you care and I think that that's really special too because it shows and that's why you know your community is so tight-knit because you have that I try I try like I don't know especially like you know, my fans are a lot, a lot of them are, like, young women, mm-hmm. um, and I struggled a lot as, like, a young teenager, and I didn't really have any positive older female influences, like, besides my mom, but me and my mom were, like, not chilling when I was 14, you know? <laughs> so, like, I don't know, like, I wished that when I was, I wish that when I was 14 and, like, in early high school, like I had someone that I could hit up for advice or like for just like anything. Um, And I want to be that person for as many uh, of my fans as possible, of course, without like stepping any boundaries, because some fans like cross boundaries. They're like, oh, dude, like, like, you know, they get they get really into like, like mental health stuff. And like, I can't advise that I'm not a therapist but like I'm here for like stupid like romantic advice and like oh no like like one of um I wouldn't even consider her a fan at this point like she's like my neighbor and she's like younger than me and it's like a big sister little sister relationship kind of she like called me and was like I hit the vape for the first time am I gonna die like (laughs) 
like that's the kind of advice I will give. Yeah, no, there's <laughs> definitely like, a line. There's definitely a line because I feel like a lot of your fans, like they listen to your music and they really relate to like the struggles that you go through because you talk about your mental health and your music and they relate to how honest you're being with your music, but then they kind of like that line is blurred when it comes to actually talking to you and they're like they think that they can go to chloe the musician that they're listening to but like you're also a person and like you can't help them in every way that you know their music your music might help them dude i wish i could but i'm just like not a licensed therapist whatsoever like Like, (laughs) it would be really fucked up for me (laughs) this is what you should do like no yeah that would be so what like sometimes i'm like I don't know. And also when I give like the rare occasion that I give mental health advice, besides like, have you tried seeing someone? Have you talked to your mom about yeah, that? Yeah. Like, well, like, I'll be like, like, I'll like say some stupid shit. Like, oh, don't be sad. Like, and that's just like so dumb. Like, I'm like, dude, like, yeah, that is the most stupid surface shit I could say. So I just try to stay away from that. But other than that, we're all super close. And like, yeah. It's, and in it's, some regard, it even, have good boundaries too, yeah. like for the most part. In some regard, it's even nice just hearing from someone they look up to. Like, it doesn't really matter what you say. If you like sent them a heart or like their message, they'd probably, that would mean a lot to them anyway. Yeah. Like, I totally yeah. know. What I mean. um, so, as you mentioned, your early teen years, I guess we should talk about how you started out in music and how you got discovered. So, if you'd yeah. like to say that. Um, well, you know the story. I like, but the fans do not. <laughs> the listeners, <laughs> the listeners of both sides of the barricade. Um, by the way, sick ass name. Thank you. Um, basically, like, I've always been into music. Like, I've always been doing it my whole life. It's something I'll I'll do until I die. Um, but basically, like, I don't know. Like, I started in like a Joan Jett cover band when I was eight <laughs> and then after that I was like mm, mm, I'm just it's time to go solo like I, I was like well I've had my I've done my time with the Joan Jett cover band it's time to go solo so when I was 10 I was like fuck this shit also I was like fighting with one of my bandmates and I was like you know what fuck this bitch like I'm out like I like straight up beyonce myself like I was like peace I just love that you were 10 doing this. I was 10 and I was like, I'm better than all of you. I'm more talented. Goodbye. Which isn't true. One of them is like, I'm sure they're all talented in their own rights. I haven't spoken to any of them in so long. But me and my friend Nina still talk. And she's like such an amazing musician. And like, it's so cool that both of us like ended up in music. And I'm like, dude. It all goes back to the electric french fries. That that was the name. Are you kidding? Electric french fries. I came up with it um <laughs> it it checks out it checks out um but yeah dude I then after that I started like producing by myself and shit and then um you know like Pitch Perfect was big then so like I was doing like acapella covers of songs on GarageBand because I didn't know how to use like the MIDI instruments um and then uh, I figured out how to use MIDI instruments, game changers, started producing actually kind of. And then I started like street performing because I figured like, fuck it. I live in New York City. I have a fire escape. Um, like I can sneak out. So when I was 
13 and 14, which is like insane to think about now as a 19 year old, I'm like, how did I not die? Like <laughs> I started like sneaking out and street performing in front of Soho house and um, Union Square Park, because that's where Soho house is where I heard from Drake that like he hangs out. So I was like, Oh, music industry because the music industry was so beyond me yeah at that point and I made this um pact with myself I'm sorry if I'm rambling no you're fine Um, okay but um I had made this pact with myself when I was 10 that by the time I was 15 I'd be signed to a major label and I would do anything in my power to like get to that goal and it worked not when I was 15 but it worked like I basically like like just worked my ass off. I got kicked out of school because I was working too hard on music. Like, and I wasn't doing any work when I was in high school. I like entered high school and I was like, fuck this shit. I'm out. Um, and like, they were like, either get your shit together or get out. And I was like, peace. And then, um, I got kicked out of this other school and then I like spiraled into drug addiction. And that was like really intense. And then like, basically I was like putting shit out on SoundCloud. Um, for the longest time, I was putting shit out on SoundCloud for like two years. And it was the summer before my sophomore year in high school. And um, I was like, okay, I need to like get my shit together and probably go back to like school because I was homeschooled. Um, I was like, I need to go back to school and like get my shit together and like not be a fucking piece of shit anymore. Like, but then I, I you know, I'm like, I was working the summer job at this program and I'm high off my ass off like two edibles and my dad calls me I'll never forget this my dad calls me and he's like yo come to come to J Street Metro Tech and I was like oh man he's gonna send me to rehab so <laughs> so I like leave work early I was like family emergency I have to go and they were like okay like good luck and so I leave and I I go home and I take a cold shower and I dress in my, fuck, why is it so loud? Um, I dress in my digi camo pants and my Brandy Melville top as a 14 year old. And I was like, all right, if I'm going to go out, I'm going out in style. So I meet up with my dad <laughs> and I was like, dude, hey, what's up? What's up, dad? <laughs> and he was like, yo, come with me to this place and so we go to this random fucking storage unit place and he was like some dude hit me up about your music and he wants to like talk to you and then it turns out it was like the svp of like warner chapel music and he had found my soundcloud through like like weirdly through like this this like these parents at my old school of this girl who bullied me i was like what she's cool now we're homies now but like it was like really i was like whoa (laughs) this is so weird and um he basically like sat me down at this starbucks and was like bought me a fruit cup and was like you gotta get your shit together um but i want to work with you and i want to put you into development and so then i got signed uh right after i turned 17 to rca records and kind of completed my dream a little later but completed my like first big goal um and yeah, yeah. 
your story is just like one of the most insane to me. Like I've heard many artist stories, but yours is just insane to me because I feel like you've lived like 30 lifetimes already. I have. I, have, I feel 80. I just turned 19 and I feel like I'm 80 years old. Like even the street performing. I remember the first time we hung out at that diner, you told me that. And I was like, you went out on the streets of New York at 13 at 2 a.m. and like sang in a subway or like in a park or in front of a building. I don't know how you did that at 13 like (laughs) I was just so bold yeah like I so weird because I was so socially anxious like I was really like terrified of social interaction but I was like I don't know this is something I've always known was my thing like since I was literally like ever since I can remember I was like I love music and then I found out that it's something you can like actually live off of and have a career off of and I was like oh that's it that's what I'm doing yeah yeah that's how I felt about like working in the music industry so I totally get it like once I I think I was a junior in high school when I found out that like oh you can actually like go to school and like study something like this and for someone like me who was just going to concerts and meeting people that way and like already networking, like I was basically already networking as a teenager and not even realizing that that's what I was doing. And so when I found out that I was like, oh, there's nothing else I could do with myself besides that. So I totally understand what you mean. I fucking feel you, dude. But yeah, your story is insane. I'm glad that everyone here will get to hear that because it's just so wild to me. Like. <laughs> I was not doing anything at 13 and 14. Like the fact that you were writing songs, producing, going out and singing them in front of people. Like I could never. Oh, but that was like all I was doing. Like that was it. Like I didn't, I had like two friends (laughs) and like everyone, like all of my teachers hated me. Like everyone hated me except for like, even I hated myself. Like I was just like, I don't know. Like, it was all I was doing. That was it. I was like a weird, like, studio rat. Like, I would stay up all night in my bedroom and just, like, fucking produce forever. Yeah. I don't know. It was a moment. Thank you. Yeah. Well, you're saying that. I appreciate it. Of course. Even your, like, struggles with addiction, like, the fact that that happened for you at such a young age, like, it makes me sad, but, like, obviously, like, you're not struggling as much with that now. So I'm. Oh, dude. Like, not at all. But, yeah, it's just crazy to me that, like, you've gone through all of that before turning, like, 17. <laughs> here's the thing about that, though. That's a, that's a, that's a New York thing. Like, that's, like, cool. you know kids from here. Like, it's, like, I'm sure it's an L.A. thing, too. Like, I think it's both. Um, but kids just, like, especially in New York, like, there's so this, like, culture from, I think, just the rock and roll history here mm-hmm. of, like, just romanticizing drug use and heroin and the only movies that represent New York are like kids like New York youth culture and that's all about like spiraling into like like just despair pretty much that's like an awful it's a fantastic movie but an awful like message to put across it's awful yeah and as a teenager I like a young teenager I saw kids and I was like I want to do that and there's it's so on point as a movie like it's exactly like that growing up if you're no if you're like a normal kid in New York like and you're not extremely mentally ill like I was like (laughs) 
it's not like that, but there's so that scene of like yeah. Yeah. just yeah. druggy like skater kids and like like just the girls that hang around them. And I was one of those girls for a really long time. Um, and it's like that. Like, you know, half of my friends went to rehab by the time I was 15. Like it just yeah, I'm surprised I didn't go. Like, you know, it, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, and see, like, growing up where I grew up, like in suburban New Jersey, it's just crazy for me to even like think about that because obviously drugs are accessible everywhere if you like know how to find them. But like, I just always felt like, especially in New York, like, you had a lot more friends doing it. You had a lot more friends having access to it at younger ages. Like it just didn't seem like something that was even accessible when I was a kid. So like I would just see it like in movies and I'd be like, Oh, that's scary. But like, (laughs) dude, it's, I think it's because of the trains. Like I think you don't have to drive. Mm -hmm. You can get like unreasonably fucked up anywhere you want Mm -hmm. and then go home and you'll probably be fine. Yeah. Like, you won't crash the train, you know? Like, you'll just be on the train and you'll maybe throw up in between the cars or some shit. But, like, (laughs) you'll be, like, fine, you know? Like, I don't know. You might get mugged. But, like, it's not, (laughs) it's not deep, you know? Like, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) You know what I mean? I don't know. It's not like, kids aren't, like, drunk driving here, to my knowledge. I don't know. I I don't know anyone who drives. No, rich kids are Ubering. And then, you know, everyone else is taking the subway, so. Yeah, exactly, bro. Yeah. Oh, we forgot to mention, Chloe lived in Brooklyn. She still lives there. She grew up there. That is why we're talking about New York. (laughs) I feel like we didn't, we should mention that. Yeah, I feel like we didn't mention that. (laughs) I'm from Brooklyn. (laughs) Now we know. So that brings us more to today. You've been on, uh, you've been on RCA for two years now and you've released many songs two eps and now i guess we'll talk a little bit about quarantine and how that changed your you know project what's the word <laughs> like i guess why can't i think of the word Tra- trajectory trajectory <laughs> your trajectory yeah. as an artist and you know if it had any sort of good or bad you know effects on your life as an artist um dude it was it was just it's been like really hard like you know it's been really tough like because tour is like I think a lot of like what is intriguing about me as an artist is my live show like I think I'm pretty fun live I miss your shows. <laughs> I miss you coming to my shows and seeing you and being like Jordan. <laughs> yes, my queen. Like, I don't know. I I I was really excited, as I think everyone was, to play more shows and hopefully go on like more tours and like hopefully go on a Europe tour like this mm-hmm. summer. Like that's or last summer, I guess that's what I thought was gonna happen. Um and then obvious I was gonna move to LA like obviously that all changed um so it it started off as like oh my god I'm gonna fucking die I hate it here how long is this gonna last and then um as it started to progress I I just started to adapt I think like I was just kind of like fuck all right like this is just what I gotta do I guess um so now it's all like Zoom sessions and going live with my fans and 
it's kind of hard to make new fans without going on TikTok and I'm bad at TikTok. I'm trying to get better at it. So it's like, you know, it's weird. It's definitely weird. And it's made me like focus a lot on like social media more than I've ever wanted to in my life. Like, it's like, I don't know, like I have to like really like stay consistent with it, especially as like a small artist, like I'm trying to grow my shit and I can't slack. Like I can't like, like not post for like two weeks, you know? Um, And I can't not post on TikTok. So it's like a whole, I'm constantly on my phone or on my computer doing a Zoom session and it's made me like, I've had moments where I've hated music and then, which I've never had before in my entire life. Like I've had moments where I've really dreaded writing music. Um, I had the worst writer's block of my life for six months. I couldn't write a single song. It was fucking awful. Um, And I can't play any shows, but it's also been cool because I've been able to be creative, like visually, like I've also been able to like, connect with you and clay in a lot of ways and you guys have like transformed me in a lot of ways because of your knowledge of like the other side you know like I have only known what it's like like I am not I am not we me and Jordan and clay got like interviewed the other day for some shit and um top secret um and like like (laughs) and like they were like how much do you guys know about pop culture? And I know nothing about pop culture, to be honest. Like, I only know it through you guys. Mm-hmm. And you guys have just, like, you know, like, totally helped me um, in so many ways. And, like, with my image and stuff, like, just, I don't know, like, from a fan perspective, like, what fans want. And, yeah, I don't know. Long-winded. Yeah, COVID's been tough. I you, especially what about you you tell me like I was gonna say like I agree wholeheartedly with what you were saying about you know being on social media a lot more than you wish you were and like being on your phone a lot more than you wish you were like I was just talking about this yesterday because I'm on zoom I'm in zoom classes so I'm looking at a screen for many hours of the day and then I have to be on a screen to you know monitor this project and working I I'm on screens like for hours on end and I get like migraines like I haven't gotten headaches in a while but I've been getting migraines because of it and I hate it I also miss concerts so much like it is my livelihood and so not having been to a show for it's gonna be a year over a year that is just not something I ever wanted to happen ever in my life and so I'm very sad about it but I've obviously found opportunity old, old lady Yeah. And I've obviously found opportunities to still be connected to artists, even through this, and, you know, hang out with my friends on Zoom, you and Clay, especially. So it's, you know, you adapt, especially in the music industry, but it's definitely not the same in a lot of ways. So I definitely understand that. Yeah, man. It's, (sighs) but what can you do? I think the only thing that I really like about it has been, um, I really like my room Mm -hmm. and I'm lucky for that. Yeah. So I like don't, also I have an excuse to be really depressed (laughs) and before I totally didn't. So now I can like stay home, like not leave my bed and like everyone's like word. 
Everyone's <laughs> like, absolutely take all the time you need. Yeah. <laughs> Which is new. I'm like not used to that. Usually people are like, yes, but get up. Like <laughs> now it's like, oh, what else would you be doing? Yeah. Or like we will be sleeping 2020 away. And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> that has been the vibe. Yes. <laughs> Unfortunately. But- now that we got all that sad stuff out of the way, let's talk about... Your all plans. that sad stuff. Yeah. <laughs> let's talk about your plans for the future. After, we're we're going to have a dream scenario where, you know, we're, you know, this isn't a problem anymore and we're back to playing shows. We're That's back so to cool. doing cool things. But how do you envision your career going after all of this is done? Um, hopefully get like a really good tour and then tour for like, at least 10 months of the year. Like, I want to tour as much as I physically can. Yeah. Um, I want to tour... Well, I'm moving to LA in January. Um, I want to write, like, a new album um, with all my favorite people. I want to, like, see if I can, like, start, like, a side project, like, band. I think that would be really fun. Um, Just for, like... Just for, like, fun. You know, like, just to, like, do it. Um... I really, I don't know. I want to like really build my, my brand and I want to become like as big as I possibly can get. Um, My phone is, the phone is ringing. I'm so mad. I'm so sorry to anyone listening. If you can hear my home phone going off. (laughs) Oh dude, it's all good. I can't even, I didn't even notice. Oh. (laughs) Shout out. Um, Yeah. I think just getting as like up as I possibly can and working as hard as I can. Cause like, I'm so bad at TikTok <laughs> and I hate that that's what I have to do. And to you're like, a Gen Z kid. How are you bad at TikTok? Dude, I just hate it. I hate being on my phone, man. Like <laughs> I hate it. I would, I don't do music to make YouTube videos and TikTok. I, I do music to make music, you know? Yeah. Um, so it just sucks ass. Um, I, that is not to say that I am not ungrateful. I'm super grateful to even like have this problem but yeah in a dream scenario I would be touring instead of like relying solely on social media to like get my art out there what about you what's your like dream scenario um, after COVID after COVID I will be going to every possible show I can and hopefully when you tour again I'll be able to go on tour with you and experience that because I think that would be awesome and just being like like it's I'm basically a groupie like I would just be a groupie like going (laughs) on tour and watching your show every night hanging out with your fans because I love them they're all so sweet I love you dude I love (laughs) I'm the CEO (laughs) you are the CEO um but yeah, pretty much that, like just going to shows as much as I can because I have to make up for lost time now. Right. And, you know, eventually once I graduate, hopefully move to LA or another city where I can continue doing stuff for you and just having a grand old time where we can go outside again. That would be- <laughs> Dude, that's also something else is like actually like hugging my friends. Yeah. That's like like without fear Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's gonna be so dope I know (laughs) like I don't miss I don't miss eating out out at a restaurant like I I could never do that again and be fine like if I can get takeout 
I'm good. But I miss shows so much. And that's going to be, like, the last thing to come back. Like, it just sucks. But anyways, moving on. Moving on. I'd like to know some of your, like, short-term or long-term goals as an artist. Like, you know, Grammys or collaborations. Just any, like, dream scenario where you're getting awarded for something or you get to do something super cool. What's your goal for that? I think I... I know I'm going to win at least like two Grammys in my life. Like I know that in my soul, I'm a great songwriter. I'm really confident in my ability to do that. Whether it's my project or someone else's, I love writing. So I, and I love like expression. So I think that that's something that I, I don't, I, you know, I don't aspire to win awards, but I just like, I don't know. Like I'm confident in my writing and yeah. I think, you know, it'd be cool to, like, get some recognition for it. Um, and then also, um, I think, like, a big moment for me will be, like, my dream has always been to sell at Madison Square Garden. That has always been my dream. That will be the moment where I'm, like, oh, my God, I've done it. You'll do um, it. I'm- I am 100%. I agree with you. I will do it. I just, it's so, it's the in-between part that's really hard. Yeah. <laughs> like, I have all these goals and like where I'll be, but it's, it's just like the getting there that's really hard. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, hopefully also like, just have like, I don't know. I don't want to be really, really massively famous though at the same time though. Um, like I want it to be like those who know know, mm-hmm. and those who don't don't bother me. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know that's what I mean? <laughs> like that's the dream, but I don't know how attainable that is. I know. Um, I just like I hate the idea that you'll ever get like hate on Twitter. Like I hate it so much. I'm gonna get so much. I already get a lot of hate on Instagram. It's the incels being like slut, slut. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, dude. <laughs> what are you, Jackie? Um, All right. Thanks, <laughs> but no, I like. What's I t- your dream career? Like, you tell me. Where do you like ideally want to be in like, ten years? In ten years, oh, that's far. Any, I'm like. First off, if I ever get to vote on the Grammys, hopefully I will. You got my vote, but anyways. <laughs> you. No. Oh. But ideally I don't know I see myself doing a lot of like artist development now just because I find myself finding artists when they're smaller and watching them get really really good at that while I support them thank you I try while (laughs) I like support them from afar or you know meeting them going to their shows that kind of thing right now it's from afar but prior to that um so I could totally see myself in artist development and actually like helping people get there not just watching it um and touring for sure I think I'll definitely at least go on a tour or two in my life because I think that that would be fun doing like the day-to-day management but I don't know I kind of want to do a little bit of everything I think Clay and I are I mean you've definitely seen me do like everything (laughs) um same thing with Clay we just kind of like want to dip our toes in everything as much as we can like Mm -hmm. I obviously I make like visual art I help you with like business stuff I like to do social media I like to do marketing like all this stuff like I'd love to just you know dabble in everything so I don't know where I'll be in 10 years but (laughs) that's so cool dude you're so cool 
says you. You're so fucking cool, dude. Like, (laughs) it's just so fucking, first of all, rare to, like, have someone, like, in my life, at least, that literally just wants to see me thrive. Like, you just want to help, bro. It's true. true. (laughs) And it's, like, it's, like, so fucking cool. Like, you are so passionate about music and artists. Like, that's so rare for the music industry. I don't think would, ironically enough, I don't think you understand because people get wrapped up in the money aspect of it really easily. And while money is really important, we live within the bounds of capitalism. Um, <laughs> like, I think, dude, like, you care so much in a way that a lot of people really don't like you're in it for the right reasons. Like a lot of music industry people I've met, especially young music industry people, they just want to be around artists and they just want to call out and like, they just want to like, I don't know, like make money. And like, while all of that is fine um, and cool and like, all right, like a lot of the people I've met don't actually care about the music and care about the artists and want to like do anything they can to see success and growth. And that's something I really admire about you. Chloe, you're it's true. It's true, dude. It's so fucking cool to see like you you're so smart too, like in the way you do it. Like wow. I don't know. Working with you has completely changed my life. Like straight up. Like super grateful to have you on my team. Oh my god, I'm gonna cry. I love you. You know that. You know how much I love you so much, bro. And support you. Oh my god, the wholesome energy. I support you, bro. Like anything you decide to do, I'm always gonna back you up now. (laughs) (laughs) We'll create an environment so wholesome. (laughs) Yes. The energy we've created in the studio. Speaking of wholesome, we are now in the fan question portion we have oh lemon gang (laughs) the lemon Lemon gang so the first one this is why this one was my favorite what movie character do you think would stream douchebag i love that question and i wanted to oh that's a really good question i know i loved it dude i feel like the bad girl the the bad um the mean character in Scott Pilgrim. Oh. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. The oh my girl God. with the hair. I can't remember. Are you talking about Brie Larson? Yeah. 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 Who, who, all the world. Dude, dude, she is my idol. Like, I aspire yeah. to be her in life. Like, that scene of her performing that song is like my favorite scene of that movie. It's so and good. that song is so good. Beck killed that soundtrack, first mm-hmm. of all. But yeah, I think she would. Um, Kaylee, like Kaylee's cover of that song it's yeah. sick you should definitely listen I will peep what uh, the I'll, fuck? I'll send it to you after this send it to me right now yeah. I'm so excited yeah, she does an amazing cover of it and she loves like <clears throat> she loves that song and character too oh my god you, you two are so similar I can't wait for you two to like meet in person and become friends me too she seems really <laughs> cool she's already the- all right. Oh, we have New York sounds in the hyper masculine. No muffler. Let's go. Yep. Oh, dude. What do you what do you think? Who do you think would That's a great answer. I was trying to think of one and I'm just like, I don't know. Like I can't think of like 
and but you know you as like the manic pixie dream soundtrack like whatever like i could totally see that as being one i'm trying to think of a good one but that was like the best answer like wow you're so right yeah i wish i could write your name people are gonna like she's salty i'm salty (laughs) we wrote music to get back in then true yeah i'm seeing a lot of um parallels here and i'm happy about it (laughs) i know (laughs) we're out here um okay besides the actual show what is your favorite part about touring oh dude it's definitely like meeting new people and like seeing new places like that's the cool because i'm not well traveled at all i have left the country once no twice now once because of tour to canada but like officially left the country and I was going through drug drug withdrawals the whole time so I couldn't enjoy it yeah and I couldn't like see it so like it like I was in Spain and for my mom's like work trip it was a fucking disaster but um that's a whole fucking story anyway like (laughs) basically like I love like especially like on the MXM tune and Tessa Violet tours like like Tessa Violet, we went all around America. Like we went like, mm-hmm. like that was the longest tour I'd, I'd done up until then. And Tessa's amazing. And we literally drove. We, we were all in a van yeah. and we just drove. Um, and then with MXM Tune, like I saw like, I got to see like Toronto and like, I got to see Atlanta again. And like, I don't know, like, it's so fucking cool. Like that I can like go around and meet new people and kind of get a window into people's lives for a day and then yeah. go to a, no, a new place. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what, and then come home. Yeah. You're home and you're like, Oh my God, dude, it's so nice. Like collapsing on your bed because you've been in like all these random beds. Like yeah. it's well, the- being in a, in a van. It's not like, have you ever toured in a bus? No, dude. I yeah. totally, I am not on that level yet one day. I was going to say, like, like even touring in a van, like, I can't imagine being in a van for, like, a month. I can't imagine being in a bus. That's, like, OD. That's, like, that's, oh, like. get to sleep there. Yeah. yeah that's, like, suffocate. I, I don't know. Like, I like the hotel thing. Like, I'm, yeah, like. No, I feel you. I didn't think about it. Also, I do want a bus, like, a pimped out of, like. <laughs> It's like a nice ass bus. <laughs> that would be know, sick. Like a little table in it in there, like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'd be like a little. Oh my god, cute. Um, yeah, and this one was funny to me because, like, I know what you're gonna say, but on a scale of one to ten thousand, how excited are you to tour again? <laughs> oh my god, like two billion. Yeah, <laughs> I'm also excited because I will be attending, and so you will probably be coming. So. Hopefully, if we have the money to, I'm trying to get the bread up now so we can just, like, hit it. That would be insane. Just seeing the country, like, from a tour bus or van, like, it's just, that just sounds so sick. Like, I'll be living my almost famous fantasy. Like, Clay and I will just be pretending we're in that movie the whole time. (laughs) Dude, it Uh, is a moment. It's so just unique as an experience you should I think everyone should do it once um favorite song you've written and favorite lyric um I always get this question and it changes literally every day I know that's why I was like I'm gonna ask again (laughs) Um, (laughs) you're evil oh I think 
My favorite song of Chloe's is probably Here's Your Song. Yeah, I'll go with Here's Your Song, too. Yeah. I'll go, I love that song. I love Douchebag, too. It's a classic. But one of your best songs, if not your best, is Jesus Couldn't Love Me. I was also thinking that. I don't know. It's it's like... It's it's like, like I think that's my top three. I think, I think mine are like Sneakers, because I think it's a funny song. Um, and I think it's like... Yeah, it's like its own fucking thing mm-hmm. i think moderation mm-hmm. right now and like here's your song yeah um and then i think my favorite um lyric right now is like probably jesus couldn't love me even if you tried like, that's, that's that's so good that was do you want to know how i came up with that mm-hmm. it was like i was 14 and i was lying in my bed and i was really depressed and so when i'm depressed i like make jokes to myself about how depressed I am to try to like cheer myself up so I was like huh Jesus couldn't love me (laughs) even if he fucking tried dude I'm so whack and then I was like I was like wait that's fire and I like got up and I wrote it down and it's like changed my life that song yeah that song is what got me a record deal man (laughs) and people love that one that one's like high up on your Spotify as it should be dude great lucky yeah so lucky i i love that song and i'm I'm really proud of it yeah i'm glad that one gets the recognition it deserves it deserves more but i'm glad i I agree yeah i think it's i think it's gotten a really good amount of like the fans really love it and that's what matters to me you know Mm -hmm. like and it's a lot of people and the christian people get so mad yeah no i'm so pissed i don't know why it's a song like it's also like dude like can you take a fucking joke? Jesus. Like, can you, <laughs> uh, can you take a joke though? Like, dude, they're like, Jesus loves everyone. You're wrong. How dare you? That's blasphemy. And I'm like, dude, all right. <laughs> cool. Yeah. You just gotta be like, whatever. Like, <laughs> Mistake, bro. <laughs> but. All yeah. right. And your unreleased music, but that's. Yeah, no, we won't get into that. Yeah. Those are some classics right there. When you guys hear them, you will understand. <laughs> um, okay, then I have like two more. Uh, worst experience as a musician. I'm not sure what in what context they meant, but I'm gonna let you interpret it how you want to. Um, uh, that's so general. I know. Um, <laughs> I think. Um. The worst experience being a musician generally is realizing that your art is a commodity Um, and like re-realizing that every time um, I have to like put money before or like a business thing before my art. Um, And that's like something that never fails to just completely trip me the fuck up like it's so shitty um so I think that or I also think um just kind of like how weird people get I don't even have that much clout how weird people get about clout like I think that's also you know because like even with fans and stuff like they'll dm me and be like hey like I don't think you'll see this, but I love you so much. And then I'll respond. They'll be like, oh my God, I'm dying. And I'll be like, oh, chill. Like, it's, it's like, whoa, like, yeah. let's, 
let's and I get like that with other people and I think our celebrity culture is really fucked up but also like it's gotten to the point now where I like meet people like through like regular social settings and then they'll like they'll well not anymore but before and they'll like follow me on Instagram and then they'll see that I have like a couple thousand followers um and uh they will get very weird about it yeah be like "Ooh, you're famous and I'm like I don't want to talk about it with you thank you yeah (laughs) so I think those two are the hardest things yeah no I I don't even like know how because you know you get to a certain point as an artist where I feel like every relationship you make is like transactional in some regard and I think that's really scary I think that's one thing ridiculous and like unnecessary too yeah yeah it doesn't have to be like that but it is yeah and that's why I think people like artists are they get distant with their fans even too because maybe they feel like oh they're just trying to like get clout for me whatever which is also weird but like I don't know yeah dude that's like the crazy that's like the thing that I'm like like I don't like that yeah but okay, Clay and I thought of some good questions to ask you. These are more like interviewee journalist questions, but not like ones that you answer all the time. We were like, we're not going to put her through that. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> so, um, okay. Putting your music out into the world for criticism must be scary at times, but what is the most rewarding part about risking your art or sharing your art and does it make it worth the risk? Um, I think when someone says it helps them, mm-hmm. I think that's the most rewarding part for me. For yeah. Sure. Like, I think when, when someone either DMs me or like comments or is like, I love this song or like this song helped me so much. Mm-hmm. I think that is the best part of it for me. Yeah. Well, and I even see it. Like, I see people be like, oh, I just listened to Chloe Lilac. Like, she's amazing. Like, I love her songs. I'm like, ah, like, that warms my heart. <laughs> right? Like, it's like... Yeah. It's oh, so cool. my God, I love it. It's yeah. Um, and do you have any memories with fans or other artists that stick out to you, good or bad? Um, I'm not going to talk about the artist ones because I would, like... Like, no, I don't want to get into. No, well, not today. <laughs> you and Clay would fucking murder me. Um, <laughs> but I will say, um, uh, I guess my like best memories with is is it best or worst memories? It can be good or bad. I'm gonna oh, some of my best memories um, are from the MXM Tune Tour. And just how psyched the audience was every night. Like, they dude, love you. it has never been that lit. Like, it was so cool. Like, everyone was so excited and, like, pumped. And it was especially Toronto, because that was the first show we did. Yeah. Um, and me and Marty were there. And I was, Marty's my guitar player. And I was really fucking tired. Like, and it was fucking freezing. And we, like, walked into the venue, and they were all camped out in the freezing cold in, like, jackets and sweaters and shit and, like, like scarves. It was, like, it was, like, negative, like, like, 10 or some shit. Oh, my God. It was insane, and they were just all out there. And I was, like, I want to play Uno with you guys. And they were, like, yes! And then I couldn't because I had to sound check. But, like, if I could, 
Anyway, because just because I did that, we got on stage and it was like a wall of energy and I wasn't used to it. Mm -hmm. So I think that's my favorite memory. And then my favorite memory with an artist has been probably um, just it's like touring with Tessa Violet was really fun. Like she's a super nice school person. And she was like, I don't know, we had this moment. Um, I think it was... I forget where it was, but I know exactly where we were at the same time. It was, it was in this like gross green room with shit on the wall. Someone put shit on the wall (laughs) and we were talking about, um, yeah, it was fucking weird. Um, but we were talking about like what it means to be like a performer and, um, I don't know, just like what it's like to like I don't know like really connect and really let go on stage and mm-hmm. like had a really deep conversation about like self-esteem and um self-worth and you know where's the line between like going too crazy on stage and blah 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 and just like also just the nature of performance in the music industry and it was like really special um so that's like a really close memory for me. I love that. Yeah, me too. I'm really, I'm really lucky to have that. Yeah. Shout out to Violet, Queen. Shout out. And her fans love you. Like I see them all the time. I love her fans and I love her. Mm-hmm. Like all in all, great gang. And then uh, Clay gave me some very good questions. Um, he said, how do you know when a song is done lyrically? Were there any tracks on either of your EPs that you had to revisit a few times before thinking they were done? No. For me, I think for other people, it's it's not to be like for other people, but like, I think it's just, it's just subjective. Like, so, like some people take some two weeks to work on their songs. Some people, it takes like an hour. For me, I'm like, if a song isn't done by the end of the day, then it's not good. Like, and it's not worth going back into, but some people really enjoy working on it. But personally, I know it's done when uh, I finished writing the song. Like, (laughs) that's when I know it's done. Like, I know that's like, like, but like when I've literally finished it, like not when I've gone back in, when I've literally, it's like the second one is done. Mm -hmm. Like the second, like I usually, I go verse, pre-chorus, verse, and then like maybe bridge. And then when maybe bridge is done, then um, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm going home. <laughs> and you know what? That suits you so well, just knowing you as a person and how, like, you know, the attention span is not long enough to be. Oh no, <laughs> not at all, dude. I write super fast. Like, I get yeah. stuff out. Probably, my time span is like ten minutes to like four hours. Yeah, That's, like where. Like, I've written songs in 10 minutes, and I've written them in four hours, but I will never take several days to write a song. That will never happen. Um, I would rather saw off my left foot. I would really rather, I would rather do it. But some people work like that, and I respect it, because I think it creates a well-rounded project. But, like, I don't, personally, my art doesn't need to be well-rounded for me to like it, and for me to feel confident. Yeah, Yeah, I feel that. I think if it's a little weird, then like that's what makes it cool. Yeah, I think someone like who does write songs 
over a longer period of time like that is I think Phoebe Bridgers she takes her songs and like mm-hmm. because if you listen to her lyrics like they're all very like poetically it kind of sounds like she's just singing a poem and I'm pretty sure that's what she's doing because when I watch videos about how she makes her songs it'll be like yeah I wrote this like six months ago it's just two lines and then I went back to it and I'm just like that's crazy too because I would forget that even existed like <laughs> um, right. but I agree like it definitely creates like a different sound or just like vibe it creates like a way more well-rounded vibe I think but I also think like for me if it doesn't happen in the first like hour then I'm like it's done (laughs) I'm like let's move on (laughs) I don't know well and you write so much like a lot of people don't feel inspiration that often that's true this is true I write a lot speaking of how nope. difficult do you find it to be inspired to write? Are you someone that can find inspiration in just about anything or go and do experiences and then have to sit for a while? Um, and at random moments, the inspiration just comes to you. Um, it's like somewhere in between that. Like it's, I still write about situations that happened like five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also really, um, I don't I don't know. I write a lot um, about like things that hurt. So like I write a lot about like friendship falling outs or like like stupid boys from Brooklyn that treat me like shit. Like you know, like I write a lot about that. And I also write, but recently I've been writing more about like depression and anxiety and self esteem and um, like myself. Um, so I think it really depends, but the thing that I get, I think the most inspired by is like, just like any sort of extreme emotion. So if it's like a lot of happiness than that, and if it's a lot of anger than that, and if it's a lot of sadness than that, you know? Yeah. Um, I love saying, I love hearing you say that you're making like very like introspective music now, like where you're kind of just like looking at yourself and like reflecting that out because I find that really interesting. Um, but I love that you can do both. Like the fact that you can write about like dumb boys and <laughs> turn around and talk about like, you know, your relationship with yourself. Like, I think that that's really important. Well, I, yeah. And I, I also, I think, I think that's something that a lot of, you know, my, my writing has like been lacking. I think in the past has been like some insight into like, actually who I am versus like I think you get a a vibe of who I am but I don't think you really hear who I am until very like recently Mm -hmm. um like whereas before it was just kind of like not to put down my other music I love my other music and my earlier stuff um but I think it was more so just kind of like you know like oh man my heart is broken like (laughs) you did it like I love that one (laughs) a classic (laughs) yeah I don't know versus like I don't know moderation I wrote about um how I always feel like a burden (laughs) and like that's something that I will always feel for the rest of my life I love that though, like the liability tease. Like it's just so like it reminds me so much of that. Lunch tease. Yeah. Lunch, lunch tease. <laughs> all day, every day. 
Uh, okay. And then two more quick questions. Um, I like this one a lot that Clay said. He said, describe what it's like to hear people sing your songs back to you in a crowd. Bro, I just got like a hit of dopamine <laughs> hearing that <laughs> sentence. Bro, it's like, especially because like, it's weird. My, I think my project's weird because I have like quite a, a few monthly listeners, but it hasn't translated onto Instagram. So I think a lot of the people who have listened to my music have no idea what I look like or like who I am, which is so jarring for me. Like, (laughs) like, oh my God, (laughs) like, whoa. So, um, you know, I'm not super used to people singing it back, but it makes me want to cry when I, when I do, it makes me seriously want to cry. It like, cause I don't know. It's always been like, I don't think about it as like, oh, like, I don't know how to explain this. Like, I don't, I have such weird self-esteem. Like, I'm like really confident in what I do. And like, I I am like, but then also at the same time, I'm like, nobody gives a shit and nobody will ever give a shit. And like the people that say they give a shit are lying to make me feel better about myself. So like, (laughs) I'll be like, (laughs) it's so bizarre. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, like, I don't know. Like when people actually like, like show up to my shows and are like yo this is my fucking song this is like me and my girlfriend's song or some shit I'm like yo what the fuck and it makes me want to cry and like it makes me also want to scream because I'm like yo yeah. <laughs> I'm like no <laughs> that's so crazy it's it's the most unbelievable feeling yeah no I can't I can't even imagine I'm sure I love seeing it like just be being the one who's screaming the lyrics back like it's an adrenaline rush for me as a fan it's like so it's also crazy because it's like you like as a fan will be singing back to me lyrics that I wrote about, like, some fuckboy who lives a block away from me. Like, that is so jarring. Like, like, you don't know the experience, but, like, you know, because you've, like, related it to your own. Yeah. And it resonates with you. And that's just such a special thing. Like, it's so sick. And even, like, like, when I go to shows for artists that, like, I really love and I'm, like, front row and they're singing it, to me I'm like oh my god like this person is like a real person who I'm looking at right now and like we are connecting like on this level and I think that's insane that's just what I I miss it so much (laughs) I miss it (laughs) music is like so intimate but also so like not intimate it's so weird it's so weird but I love it (sighs) wow a moment the mems yeah um, okay, and then last question. The songs on Douchebag are a very um, big stylistic evolution from Manic Pixie Dream. As you gear up to work on your next project, how do you think that that will evolve further? Dude, I, like, don't know. I think <laughs> I, <laughs> I think that, like, comes with time because, like, I don't make shit just, like, with an intention. Like, I don't, like, go in and, like, I wish I could. And I think at some point I will, like a concept album or something. Yeah. Um, like I would love to make a concept album, but I like right now at this point in my life and my career, like I'm just so bad at like sitting down and being like, this is what I want. And like boxing myself in, especially because I think if you box yourself in, you limit yourself 
in so many ways if you're like, this is how I want it to sound exactly. Yeah. But also some people really pull that off and like it's groundbreaking and amazing. For me, it's like, I don't know, with, with, from Manic Pixie Dream, like Manic Pixie Dream was a collection of songs that I had made all when I was like 17 to 14, 14 to 17. Um, and it was like, it took like three years for us to get like six good songs. And then with, with Douchebag, it was like, I had been so inspired by this thing that this like couple months in my life that were like awful um, that I just like sat down with a bunch of like my favorite people and just like wrote a bunch of shit. And like, I was like, fuck it, let's try this vibe. Like, like, also something I like to do is like, like if I have like a favorite song, I'll go into sessions with a bunch of different people, like different producers and like writers every time. And I'll show them the exact same song and see where, what we come out with. Yeah. And that's always super fun. Cause I can like yeah. experiment, but yeah. That's sick. Yeah. I guess, I don't know if that answered your question. No, it did. Like, I mean, okay. you don't know like where it's going to go. Like, I wasn't looking. I have for, no idea. Yeah. If you don't have an answer, then you don't need to think of no it. idea. <laughs> Um, and then, like, if you have any questions about fan culture or for me, we talk all the time. So if you don't have questions, that's totally fine. <laughs> oh, but let me think of questions I've asked you in the past. I think, what is the most important thing to you as a fan? I think from like from an artist, like, what means the most to you? And I think what is, what is the worst thing that an artist can do? That. Yeah, that's something that I'm, like, really intrigued by. That'll, like, yeah, like, as a fan, like, really. I, like, thought of, I was, <laughs> the first thing that came to my mind was, like, they collaborate with an artist I don't like. <laughs> that's not. <laughs> Dude. I guess, like, the worst thing they can do is, like, disappoint me as a fan. Like, I don't know. And that's not, like, the worst thing they can do because it's just me. But, like, in terms of, like, something that would make me not want to be a fan of them anymore is, like, if they disappointed me, meaning they, like, betray the vision that I had of them already like their their views if I thought their views aligned with mine or if I felt like they really like understood something that I had gone through or like I don't know if they just like if they mess up in a way or like they do something you know I I hate cancel culture in some situations because I think that it gets to be a little much but like I can definitely understand like being disappointed by artists and not wanting to be supportive of them anymore because that's definitely happened to me in the past um but I think uh the my favorite part about being a fan or like the thing that's most important to me is kind of what I said like I I just love touring and seeing the artists in person and having that connection in person like right in front of our faces I love like meet and greets I always like when I was younger and I could meet artists in person before all this like that was just such a rewarding part of you know my being a fan of them it was just they and a lot of them made me feel really special like in our meet and greets and whatever so like that's just the biggest thing I think for fans like when they get to meet the artist and tell them how much their music means to them or you know see them live and be able to like sing the songs back to each other like I think that that's a huge part of it um but yeah that's and just it just makes you feel special like I don't know like if you feel like you can connect to an artist I think that's the biggest thing yeah what do you think like why do you think you, cause this is 
something I've always wondered, what is it like about some people that are drawn to follow an artist versus just listen to their music passively? Yeah. You know, what, what, what is it like that? What is that drive? Like that distinction? Yeah. Cause I do both. I definitely have artists that I just listen to, but I don't like follow them. Um, and I think the main thing is, at least for me, if they like are creative on social media and they like show that creativity in their feed, like if someone has nice outfits, I love following people for like fashion inspiration, especially artists. Like, for example, like Rosalia, I love her outfits, everything that she wears. And then like, I think Olivia O'Brien has great outfits. Like just if they are like, if they have a nice feed, I guess that makes you want to follow them. That's the same thing with anyone because I follow people who aren't artists who do the same thing. Mm-hmm. So I think that's it. Also, if they're like pretty, I just like following like pretty women that I love because they're just powerful and I like seeing them on my feed because they give me confidence mm-hmm. in a way. So I love that. And then I just like staying up to date, like people that I really am a fan of and I want to stay up to date with their releases. That's pretty much what it is. Mm. most part for me but for other people I can see it being mostly like you know they're pretty you want to follow them you want to be like them that kind of thing so it's either way what's the worst part about being a fan do you think the worst part yeah I think feeling like you don't have a say sometimes in like the things that go on like now I don't feel that as much because I kind of forced myself into that because <laughs> I'm <laughs> going to school for music business yeah. but I think feeling like the artist or the label it's mostly the label I feel I feel like a lot of the times the artists do want to do what the fans want but uh, the label might be restrictive maybe just not feeling like you're being listened to as a fan because you know you're especially when it's a big artist you know you're kind of a small voice in a very like large community but I don't feel that so much now because I feel like I'm kind of making my way into the industry and I do have a say in things more and more Mm. but yeah well that's what I think of mainly I think also you know the chance of being disappointed by artists but like there's really not many downsides because obviously I love being a fan of music and I love being a fan of artists so there's not many downsides but I guess I would say that what what was the first who was the first artist that you really like fell in love with Kelly Stand mm-hmm. probably okay well when I was younger my dad would just put music on like uh, my mp3 player for me so he actually introduced me to like Katy Perry Lady Gaga no doubt like he would put like all the women on there and that's how like I started listening to you know alt pop and then like female pop artists and that was like a huge thing for me but I think like I didn't start asking to go to concerts until I was in high school and I like begged to see Lana Lana was probably the first one that I like was a, and I'm still like a big fan of her but like when I was a freshman in high school I like begged to go see her in Philly and the show was sold out tickets were like $150 resale and like I paid for two tickets so that like it was like all my savings mm-hmm. I paid for two tickets so that my dad could take me because he was like I'm not letting you go by yourself and so I had to pay for two tickets instead of one and I had to clean the whole house and I was like 
I had to go. Like, and I'm glad that I did because it was like life changing. But it was, yeah, that was probably like the first major one. I also loved like Imagine Dragons when I was like in middle school. They were like a band that I saw a couple times. And that's how I like saw Halsey. She opened for them. Like, so everyone like, everyone's like Imagine Dragons is corny. Yes. But like, (laughs) I just like loved their music when I was a kid. And I am not um, going to be quiet about it because <laughs> people try to keep me silent on my love for Imagine Dragons. Uh, I re- Imagine Dragons slaps. Thank you. I refuse to. <laughs> I don't know why people hate on them. They're, they're like fine. Well, and when I saw them, like I've seen them a couple times and Dan, like the lead singer, he's always been such like a vocal um, advocator for like mental health and like the LGBT community. Dude, he's the king. And yeah, and well, and he struggled with like depression and everything. And like, I related to that. And so like, whenever I would go to his shows or like their shows and he would like have a speech about that, like I'd get so emotional because I was just like, oh my God, Dan, like I know how you feel, man. Oh. <laughs> uh, but like, that's special. Like when you feel that re- like relatability from an artist, like that's a huge thing. And I feel like you have that. So, oh. but yeah. What do, you, what do you think, this is the last question I'll ask. Okay. What do you think is, like, the best and worst parts of stan culture? That's easy. That is easy. Okay. The best part is the community that it creates, for sure, a million times. Like, and you feel a lot more connected to the artist, because I think artists recognize their stands a lot more, because they're just easier to recognize. Um and I've met so many of my friends, like Clay, for example, like I've met, um, like my closest friends I've met through Stan Twitter and like just the communities around the artists that I am a fan of. The worst part, very easy. It is quite a toxic community at times. And um, that is between stands, like the amount of like online fights that I've seen, in-person fights, like they're really mean at shows sometimes like they'll push you they'll like get into physical altercations just to get like barricade and I'm like "Mm, that's a little much for me (laughs) Uh, but then like even the toxicity towards like other artists I see it a lot like especially with female artists and I try to like distance myself from that because I'm all for like supporting the artists you want to support but I don't understand the having to you know tear down the people you don't like as much I think you just be like silent on that (laughs) but you know it gets to a point where like everyone has an opinion everyone thinks that they have the authority to share it and that it's better than everyone else's so that's just where that where that comes from but um that's definitely the worst part because it gets it gets to the point where like I have to take breaks from Twitter where I'm just like I don't need to see all this negativity but it the pros do outweigh the cons when it comes to like the friends that I've met through those communities and everything. So I don't regret like being on Stan Twitter at all. Like that's how I had friends in high school because I didn't have them in person. <laughs> so, oh. uh, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a double-edged sword, but I think that the pros outweigh the cons for sure. Damn. Fuck um, yeah, dude. Yeah. So this is now towards the end of the podcast. I think we have like over an hour already, so we'll wrap it up. <laughs> yeah, I definitely like sent it on the ranting, but that's no okay. <laughs> we love the comments. We'll send on rant. It's okay. So the 
last little portion is we'll talk about like our current favorites. If you have a current favorite song or album or artist that you want to like mention or plug or whatever, feel free to do so. I'll mention mine too. If you don't have any, I'll, I'll say them while you think. Other artists? Yeah. Or song or album, like just what you're listening to right now. Oh, dude. Um, listen to um, Kaylee Morg. Um, yeah. Come on. Um, <laughs> Isaac Dunbar, Maud Latour, uh, Layla Blue, fucking Run for Short, My Queen. Yep. yep. <laughs> um, MXM Tune, Tessa Violet, Ex Lovers. Um, Mm, mm, mm. and then who i'm listening to recently actually is this band that nobody knows about but they're so good you they're said called, them i was like they are good dude they're so good um lounge fm really into them right now super into paramore right now <laughs> yeah. um really into tiktok got me listening to um all i wanted again and i like can't yeah that. yeah it'd be like that it really do um baby keem <laughs> lots of baby keem mm-hmm. no no cap um lots of like um 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 lots of like 90s hip-hop and r&b mm-hmm. also yeah. um so that's that's been me what about you love that i think my favorite song right now is now by olivia o'brien that song is a classic yeah that song is fucking amazing yeah and then probably at coin just released a song called you are the traffic and i think it's really pretty and so that's what i've been listening to and then album um i mean punisher by phoebe bridgers what more can i say like and douchebag by chloe lila (laughs) and then my favorite artist right now i i it's hard to think of one but one that i'm like excited to hear from ash nico i love her and she's putting out like a mixtape in like a month or something but i'm really excited about that but also chloe lilac let's be honest um so with that being said chloe would you like to plug any of your social media upcoming projects recent projects like yes i just put out an ep called douchebag really proud of it um it's a classic go listen to it oh i love you um my Instagram is Chloe Lilac. My Twitter is Chloe Lilac underscore. My TikTok is Nimi Jutron um, with an I, Nimi. Um, <laughs> and um, my YouTube is Chloe Lilac. Um, yeah, my Spotify is Chloe Lilac. Apple Music is Chloe Lilac. Yep, yep. Chloe Lilac. That's C H L O E space L I L A C. Wow. Go listen. <laughs> and this has been an episode of both sides of the barricade you can follow on instagram at both sides of the barricade you can follow on twitter at bsotb pod the acronym and pod and you can subscribe on youtube both sides of the barricade my instagram is j taylor ldr same thing on twitter and this episode is available on spotify and itunes you can also watch it on youtube and follow subscribe like download rate comment all that and thank you for listening and we will see you next time thank you so much for being here chloe i love you so much thank you for having me i love you oh my god listen to that official ass ending (laughs) thank you thank you oh my god i'm so proud of you i love this thank you for having me all right bye everyone bye guys love you